Welcome to Iron Radio. Coming up, finishing Chicago in a surprisingly fast time. In the, the final one kilometer, I gave it a little extra push and I passed the 430 pace bunny. I crossed, not knowing exactly what my time was, but I quickly got on my phone and I messaged my friends because I didn't have my glasses so I couldn't look it up online. And I said, please tell me what my time is. And um, when I finally got a message back, the time was 4.23. So I passed it, my goal, by seven minutes and had a PB by almost eight. Booking a trip to the Olympic marathon. It was that last seven kilometers there that uh, I knew I was going to make it happen because that's the last seven kilometers of the race. It's really just how much guts do you have, how much heart do you have, how much do you want it. And I really, really wanted it. So uh, I knew that no matter if I got a stomach stitch or if my calf cramped up, I was going to crawl to the finish line. But uh, I, I would have made it no matter what. And counting up to 100 marathons. I think it's just the, the pure enjoyment. Um, I, ju I just enjoy doing it. Um, some, some days you might talk to me and I'd say, you know what, I don't know what I was thinking when I registered for this race and I'm standing at the start line and it's pouring rain. But, uh, but then by the end of it, I'm just ecstatic and happy and uh, I'm ready for the next one. On this edition of I Run Radio, a runner who did the Chicago Marathon in a personal best time and then ran a half marathon in Detroit just one week later. We'll talk to elite runner Trevor Hoffbauer, who will represent Canada in the Olympic Marathon next year, and a runner who is chasing down a goal of 100 career marathons. Let's get things started now with the editor and general manager of I Run, Ben Kaplan. Hello, Ben. Hey there. How are you? Ah, feeling good. Thank you, sir. And it's the weekend of the New York City Marathon. So that's your hometown, and it's a race I've done three times and wish I could do every year because I love it so much. <laughs> You're so great like that. You're just the tireless marathon running energizing bunny of Canadian <laughs> words, you know? Yeah. Right. But honestly, if I could go every November and run the New York City Marathon, I would do it. I would, I'd Why? be there. What is it you love about it so much? I don't know. I just, first of all, I love New York City. Uh, and secondly, just the atmosphere of the event. And it's, you know, it's autumn in New York. What could be better than that? And then you're, <laughs> you're running across the Verrazano Narrows Bridge, and you're running into Brooklyn and Queens, and you're running into Manhattan, and then up to the Bronx, and then back down to Central Park, and you finish in Central Park. You run through all these great neighborhoods. You see parts of New York that you would never see as a tourist. You really see the communities coming out to support. You get that wall of sound that hits you on First Avenue after you come off the bridge. You know, uh, there's something like 2 million spectators. It's just fantastic. Uh, yeah, I'd do it any time I could. Here's an old, old joke about New York that's no longer applicable, but I'll still make just because it's my hometown. Uh, it's the only way you could go to New York where the residents will be applauding you instead of trying to rob you. <laughs> <laughs> of course, no longer is New yeah. York uh, rough and tumble like that. But, yeah, it's a wonderful race. I ran it last year, too. I remember, you know, growing up and watching it, and it's just, you know, seriously, I'm sure. I don't know the number of Canadians running it this year, but there's always a healthy vocal yeah. Contingent of Canadian runners. It would be a couple thousand at least, I would think. Yeah. yeah. 
50,000 runners. I mean, we're talking about, you know, when I, when, when you cross the finish line at even a big Canadian marathon, you know, you you might cross the finish line by yourself. There might be one other person around you. You know, there'd be a, a few finishers every every 30 seconds, that kind of thing. At the New York City Marathon, there's, you know, there's basically, unless you're running in under in under 230, uh, you know, if you're running a four-hour marathon at the New York City Marathon or something around there, there's five or six people crossing every second. Oh, man. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love that, too, that New York City Marathon, like certain races, but none in Canada, that are the marathon distance only. Uh, yeah. which is fun, which is neat because like when I do, uh, the Scotiabank marathon, for instance, in Toronto, where they have the, the half marathon and the marathoners sort of go out together and you know, and that's totally fine. And it, logistics, I understand, but it's neat when you're running a marathon and every single person that you see there is also running the same distance. Yeah. And I'll never forget the first time I ran it and you're coming down fifth Avenue, uh, heading into Manhattan and, you're running and and you come over this hill and you can see ahead of you just the streets are packed and it really you're you know you're in the final 10k of the marathon and there's there are as many people congested together in that stretch not in a bad way but just the volume of people yeah the is, sea of humanity it's like the start of any other race right it's yeah. where where it's you know you're where you're all lined up at the start You've got that all the way in the New York City Marathon. It's very cool. Yeah. No, yeah. And and to everybody racing, I know Hamilton, obviously, is this weekend as well. And there's races, uh, I'm not sure, across the country. But, yeah. you know, our seasons are winding down. And uh, I know people are now beginning to look towards spring. So, you know, it's an interesting time. And you just want to remind runners to who, who are completing their seasons a good thing to do. I know there's a 10K I signed up for in December. And it's a good time to sort of stay active, keep with the running, but maybe take a break from some of the harder workouts and allow yourself time to recover and sort of refocus on what uh, your spring goals may lead. Yeah. And um, and we're going to talk more about that in the weeks ahead as well, how to kind of regroup at the end of the season. But I got to say, the weather this fall in Ottawa has been great. We In the last couple of days, we've it's been a little bit colder, but... Uh, if I look at September and October, could not have been better. Toronto from, too. Yeah, from a from a running perspective, from a living perspective, there's just been all around great weather. It, it you know sometimes in October you can start to feel like hey winter's knocking on the door, and uh, and it, I didn't feel that in October. I just felt like there was great fall weather, uh, and and just a you know so lots of great opportunity to run and race and enjoy the autumn. So. I'm, I, I can't complain. Yeah, oh, there you go, sir. And you rarely do. <laughs> I do a little bit in the winter, as anyone who knows me will attest. All right, yeah. Ben, enjoy the week, and we'll talk to you next weekend. I appreciate it, sir. Ben Kaplan, I Run's editor and general manager. Coming up next, a personal best time in Chicago. Registration is now open for the Tamarack Ottawa Race Weekend. It's Canada's biggest marathon weekend with a kids race, a 2K, 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and the Lumberjack Challenge. Four races covering a distance of 59.2K. It's the event of the year, and we'd love to see you there. A few weeks ago, Irene Preklet ran a personal best time in the Chicago Marathon, and then she followed it a week later with a half marathon in Detroit. 
Irene is a reporter and anchor on 680 News in Toronto. Irene, great to talk to you again. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Mark. So you've had some really interesting running adventures lately. You did the Chicago Marathon, and then you went to Detroit the week after and did a half marathon, right? I did. That was, I guess, the so-called recovery run. (laughs) There you go. So was this your first time doing Chicago? This was my second time doing Chicago. Yes, and it holds a, a little space in my in my running glory moments in that it was my third marathon that I had ever done and it was the first one that I did that I really enjoyed and I felt no pain and I was going for a certain time goal and when I checked my time at the end I had missed my goal by 30 seconds okay well that's not too bad uh, that's, not that's too okay bad. yeah no but it gnawed at me. Oh. So for years, for years, I was chasing that time goal. I didn't have it, and it bothered me that that 30 seconds, I didn't get my goal, and I'd always wanted to reach that goal. So I decided that it was now or never, and I took a chance, and I entered the Chicago Marathon lottery and got in and ran it for a second time this year, which was my ninth full marathon. Wow, congratulations. So uh, you, you you had some unfinished business, I guess. Is, is that sure the way did. you looked at it? That's exactly how I looked at it, and I tackled it with uh, extra work to make sure that I achieved the goal because it really was something that I really wanted to do. Okay, and how did it go? It was Excellent. I I trained hard. I would get up before work, sometimes at 4.45 in the morning to get the extra runs in and try to do some strength training. And as you know, being a runner, you never know what's going to happen race day. And my friends knew that I was focused on doing a personal best. I had a friend who suggested, though, that I have three goals in case I missed the personal best because, of course, anything can happen. So I I kept that in the back of my mind. That is good advice. Yeah, what you still want to enjoy the experience, right? You're training for week after week, and you spend not only time but money into the event, and you you still want to take away something positive from the experience. So uh, tell me how the race unfolded. So 4.30 was my goal, and I had never run a full marathon with a pace bunny, and I had thought perhaps I I would do that. So I went to the expo, I checked that out, I kept the pace bunny within sight, and I got a little closer, and I realized that it wasn't for me, that I, I didn't want to hear the chit-chatter, and I, <laughs> I'm, I'm a strange runner in that while I train with a GPS watch, I don't use it when I'm actually running a race. I don't want to know the time per se and, and, and my pace and how fast I'm going, I find it, it distracts me and it sometimes limits me. So hmm. I, I didn't like hearing that. Yeah. So you, you don't like to micromanage the run when you're racing, right? I, I, I get that. I don't, I try not to look at my watch too much. I wear it, but I try not to look at my watch too much because I'm too, I think sometimes I'm worried I'm going to be disappointed with what I see and then you still have a long way to run and, and you're feeling like you're not keeping up with the pace and all of that. You just want to run and, and let things take care of themselves sometimes, right? 
that's exactly it. I think you're one of the few people that actually understands that because <laughs> my running friends don't get that. They're like, well, why would you have a watch and then not use it race day? And I wear it, but I, I don't set it. I keep it on my arm so I get my steps for the day. And, um, and I try not to look at the time. So I was with the Pace Bunny, the 430 Pace Bunny, and I felt strong. And I thought, you know what, I think I can, I can pass it. And um, I passed it. And then I felt good throughout the run and tried to focus on on certain things. And, and when I got tired, as you know, you pick some things to focus on. And whenever I got tired, I always tried to be thankful. I ran by a group of um, amputees that were running. They were U.S. veterans. And I thought, you know what, I'm really lucky. I need to push through this. Look at Look at what amazing things other people are doing. And at one point I looked and I saw the 430 pace bunny ahead of me. And I thought, how did that pass me? I, I don't recall. So in the, the final one kilometer, I gave it a little extra push and I passed the 430 pace bunny. I crossed not knowing exactly what my time was. But I quickly got on my phone and I messaged my friends because I didn't have my glasses, so I couldn't look it up online. And I said, please tell me what my time is. And um, when I finally got a message back, the time was 4.23. So I passed it, my goal, by seven minutes and had a PB by almost eight. Wow. Fantastic. Good for you, Irene. That's terrific. It was a great feeling. And you didn't even know it was happening in a way, right? I had no idea that it was happening. And I'm actually kind of glad because I enjoyed the run. While I wanted a, a PB, I also paid attention to the scenery. I took time. I always try and thank volunteers when I'm at a water station. You know, if there's a, a kid that's giving high fives, I, I want to give a kid a high five. So while I did the PB, I also was in the moment. Because sometimes you're not in the moment, and I was in the moment. Yeah, good for you. Congratulations. Thank you. So what does that mean to you, hitting that PB and by such a wide margin? It seemed a bit surreal, and it made me realize that, you know, if you train hard enough for something, it is within your grasp. And it just, it, it made me realize that I had it in me all along and, um, and not to limit myself. If you train hard enough for something, it can happen if everything goes right. But I also learned that you should forgive yourself if things don't go 100% according to plan, because as you know, and as every runner knows, that is, anything can happen when you're traveling for a race. Absolutely. And you, you can't base all of your, your happiness, your running happiness on hitting a certain time goal because so much of it is outside your control on any given day, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, that's great, though. And, and look, uh, we should mention the Chicago Marathon is a terrific race to run. I've run it a couple of times myself and really enjoyed it. It's right in downtown Chicago. Uh, it happens that the two days that that I have been lucky enough to run it uh, have been beautiful days. Uh, it's a, a nice fall setting. You're running through the streets of downtown Chicago. Uh, it's, a, it's a very good race. It's a great race. The crowd support. And I knew that's what I need for a marathon. A marathon has never been my strongest running event. And 
for me, I need the crowds. I need to be with 45,000 people. I need to have the streets lined with 1.5 million people. I need that to get through it. I need to feed off of that energy. So I knew that if I was going to do a PB, Chicago was going to be the place. And it's flat. That definitely helps. And the weather really did work in my favor because it was a perfect fall day with rain. Because while you can control many things in your training, you can never control the weather. Yeah, very true. So you turned around after that, and a week later you're doing the half marathon in Detroit. What made you decide to do that? It had always been on my bucket list. When I heard that you cross the border twice, you cross on the Ambassador Bridge into Windsor, then you go back into Detroit underwater in the tunnel. It's the only marathon where you run a mile underwater. I had always wanted to do it, and I had planned to do it last year, but I was unaware that it was such a popular race that it sells out every year, and it had sold out. So I, I made it a point that I was going to run it, and um, it was fantastic. And so the half marathon, as well as the marathon, has that inter uh, that, that crossing of the bridges and the tunnels as well? Yeah, for both, for both the international half and the full. So you go over into Windsor on the bridge, and then you come back with the tunnel. Okay. Well, that's cool to have that experience, to run a marathon in two countries on the same day, right? It was excellent. It was well-organized and a great race. Now, Irene, you mentioned earlier that in order to train for the Chicago Marathon, you sometimes were running at 4.45 in the morning. I know you work early. So that's kind of when you have to get it done. But that that's really early. I mean, I, I sometimes run at 545 and people look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> it, it was early. I, I won't lie. I am a morning person and working in broadcasting for years. I would start work at four in the morning or I would do an overnight shift. So my body is used to strange times. But for me, I know that I have to get it done before work because For many people, your day gets busy, and it's easy to let it fall by the wayside. So I knew that I needed to get the run. I needed to get it done. And the only way to do that was sometimes to wake up at 4.45 and be out the door within five minutes. Wow. Well, it was on those days, I think, that you earned your personal best time and your glorious marathon in Chicago. Those days of dedication when you got out the door before... 5 a.m. That is an inspiring story, Irene. Congratulations, and thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me, Mark. That's Irene Precklett, reporter and anchor on 680 News in Toronto. Coming up next, Trevor Hoffbauer books his ticket to the Olympics. Registration is now open for the Tamarack Ottawa Race Weekend. It's Canada's biggest marathon weekend with a kids' race, a 2K, 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and the Lumberjack Challenge, four races covering a distance of 59.2K. It's the event of the year, and we'd love to see you there. Just a few weeks ago at the Scotiabank Toronto Waterfront Marathon, Trevor Hoffbauer finished as the top Canadian with a time of 2 hours, 9 minutes, 51 seconds, a big improvement over his previous personal best time, and also a time that put him well under the Olympic qualifying standard, meaning he will represent Canada at the Olympics next year in Japan. Trevor, thank you so much for joining us uh, on I Run Radio. Great to talk to you. Thank you, Mark. 
So, look, you didn't just qualify for the Olympics. You destroyed your personal best in the marathon, didn't you? This was uh, everything came together for you in this race. Yeah, I had a really, really strong race. Um, I'm quite pleased with it, and I've had a little bit of time to dissect uh, the whole performance now, and it's starting to become a reality. So um, I put a lot of work, and um, I I really banked on this moment to try and make it happen. So, uh, yeah, I'm just pleased that it it went to plan. Yeah, because with marathons, you can't count on that, right? Exactly. And even the thought that I had throughout the race was, oh, is the next kilometer going to be the kilometer where, like, where it hits you? <laughs> and, like, you don't even know. Like, kilometer 40, um, yeah. your body could completely change and uh, things can uh, deteriorate quickly. But, um, yeah, thankfully it didn't. Yeah, good for you. That's very exciting. So uh, let's talk about that a little more, actually, because that is one of the things about a marathon is you just don't know what you're going to get. There are variables you can control, but lots that you can't. And you can be feeling great at 30K, at 35K, even at 40K, as you say, and then the wheels can come off, right? Yeah, yeah. And in in my race particularly, I was battling uh, some tightness in, uh, in my calf area and ankle, and uh, that started to flare up just around 25 kilometers and... Uh, it got progressively worse, but after 35 kilometers, the pain, uh, it, it kind of stayed at the same level, so it didn't get worse, thankfully. But, uh, yeah, you never know. Like, your your stomach could turn on you, or uh, you, could hit that per, uh, you could hit that wall that people talk about, uh, or, like, maybe maybe a calf gets too strained, hamstring. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's such a gamble. You yeah. just don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Something starts to tighten up, and of course, you're you're right on the edge, right? So this is not, you know, if you're trying to qualify for the Olympics and 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 set a personal best and and get under two hours and ten minutes, there's not a lot of margin of error where you're saying, you know, this isn't like, uh, you know, driving from from Montreal to Toronto and leaving an hour early and giving yourself lots of time. Everything everything's got to go right, and and you're you're right at the at the line between. Uh, just right and overdoing it, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. And to generalize it a little bit more, um, I think one unique thing that we all share is like when you are shooting for a PB, um, no matter what your PB is, you are always riding that fine line. And you can uh, relate it to like making an Olympic team or like getting a Boston qualifier and stuff like that um, or like an age group record. But uh, yeah, if you're shooting for a personal best, you're like really riding this fine line where uh, you have to strategically play it out and make sure that you're being smart about it. Yeah, and I know you wrote uh, quite a bit on your website about the experience, and and I I think since the race you've been reflecting back on the journey to get you to this point. Tell us a little bit about that, about uh, about the months leading up to this marathon. Yeah, yeah, the training went really well. Um, I've been reading a little bit online too uh, about how people say that my times over the training block really don't match uh, what I did over uh, over the weekend in Toronto. Um, but to provide some context there is, or some context there, I never taper for any races that I do in my build. So when I take a look at the Edmonton Half Marathon, um, I was coming off of a 160 kilometer week, um, and I had traveled. 
on the Friday night from Kalamaz- or from uh, Glen Arbor, Michigan, to Calgary, Alberta. And then the next morning, I drove up to Edmonton. So I had about 12 hours of travel, um, maybe not 12, uh, eight hours of travel under my belt uh, within a 12-hour time period. And uh, I performed well in the race, but the race was a workout. And then I took a look at Eastside 10K, and uh, I was in the middle of a 180-kilometer week. So um, those race results don't look that fast, um, but I don't go into those races rested. Right. I use them as workouts, and uh, I just kind of go at it. So uh, considering that and considering all the workouts I did and uh, the consistency of mileage and remaining healthy, uh, that's ultimately like just adding all those pieces together um, played out well for me on race day. Yeah. So uh, we talked already about the fact that at 40K, you still don't know really if you're if something's going to come apart, at what point did you start feeling like, you know what, this is this is actually going to happen. I'm going to get the time I want, big personal best, and also meet the Olympic qualifying standard. Uh, when when did that moment arrive for you? Yeah, um, that moment actually arrived at 35 kilometers. So I know that's a little bit earlier than 40 kilometers, and uh, you still have those thoughts running in your head until about that point, but uh, after our pacers went off on the side of the road, uh, I was all by myself. And if people had watched the broadcast, they would have seen um, me and a group of four athletes. And then it would have cut back to a couple of the other races happening. Uh, and then it bounced back to me. And then the next time it did bounce back to me, it was like just me all by myself. So um, the one Mexican athlete that I was with, he fell back. And then the two pacers uh, walked off the course at 35 kilometers. And then it was just me and I train on my own in Calgary, so I'm very comfortable running on my own. And I knew that I just had to get to the CN Tower. So um, I just really hunkered down and uh, ran my hardest over those last seven kilometers. And, uh, yeah, it was it was that last seven kilometers there that uh, I knew I was going to make it happen because that's the last seven kilometers of the race. It's really just how much guts do you have, how much heart do you have, how much do you want it, and... I really, really wanted it. So uh, I knew that no matter if I got a stomach stitch or if my calf cramped up, I was going to crawl to the finish line. But uh, I would have made it no matter what. Wow, that's so powerful. So how did you feel during that time? Uh, Because here here was your your goal being achieved at last. Yeah, I was was shocked um, a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I came around the corner to the finish line there and, uh, I just took a look up at the clock and I saw two and nine and change. And, um, it just really hit me in that moment. Like I, I've drew, I've dreamt of that moment, um, or dreamed of that moment for years and, uh, for it to become a reality, it just hit me all at once. And, I really didn't know how to express myself. So when I crossed that finish line, I just I was tired. So I dropped down to the ground and Alan Brooks was there and I just had to, I had to take it back and just look at that clock and just like really soak that in. Um, and yeah, it was, it was such a powerful moment and for something to come together that you've worked so hard yeah. for over like six, seven years. Um, yeah. Words can't, can't be said about um, how how impactful it had 
or how impactful it was uh, in that moment. And I notice, uh, and I, I think other people have talked about this as well, you don't wear a watch when you're racing, right? Unlike so many other runners. Yeah, no, I really don't enjoy wearing a watch. Um, so when I take a look back at Hamburg, um, when I did that race in the spring, I didn't wear a watch there, and uh, I had a negative split in that race. I think I ran like 15 seconds faster over the second half than I did on the first half. And then um, same with the Sun Run, didn't wear a watch there. Um, when I took a look through, same with uh, Edmonton, or actually for Edmonton half, I did because it was a workout. Uh, and then Eastside 10K as well. Um, I don't think I wore one for Eastside 10K, but it, it depends on the race. And when I am going to a race where I've trained specifically for that event, I won't wear a watch because I'm going out there to race, like the purpose is to win. So, um, yeah, you, you can't really time a win. You just have to beat every competitor that is on the start line with you. Interesting. So uh, what does it mean to you that you are now going to the Olympics next year in Tokyo? It's the world to me. Um, yeah, before going into this race, I had some really powerful moments where I was reflecting on the past five, six years, and I'm extremely proud of what I've done uh, with my running career so far. And um, I, I never thought that some of the results I've had in the past were ever going to be possible, but uh, it came together well. And I was, yeah, when I was reflecting on the last five years, I was just really, really proud of what I've done. And I was at a point in my life where I was thinking this might be the last race. Like I might move on from the sport after this because um, all I've shot for is the Olympics. And I've put a lot of, uh, a lot of my savings into that race as well. And, um, as you know, with money, you just, <laughs> you, you can't spend, spend, spend without making, uh, that back. So I was at a point in my life where I was taking a look at everything and, um, my finances were getting to a point where I had to consider what was going to be next. And if Toronto didn't play out as I had hoped, then, um, yeah, we might not even be talking right now. Wow. So, um, there was a lot yeah. at stake there. Wow. There was. Yeah, yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And uh, now with Toronto going the way that it had, um, yeah, I can take a look honestly at the next year and the next even five years and say, yeah, this is like after Toronto, that was the first day of my career. So uh, I can wow. continue to do this for uh, the foreseeable future. And uh, I'm really, really looking forward to continuing on with this. Well, congratulations, Trevor. This is really exciting, and and all Canadians, especially runners, are looking forward to seeing you represent us at the Olympics next year. Thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations again. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for your time. That's Trevor Hoffbauer, who will be running in the Olympic Marathon next year in Tokyo. Coming up next, targeting 100 marathons. Registration is now open for the Tamarack Ottawa Race Weekend. It's Canada's biggest marathon weekend with a kids race, a 2K, 5K, 10K, half marathon, marathon, and the Lumberjack Challenge. Four races covering a distance of 59.2K. It's the event of the year, and we'd love to see you there. Terry Sancartier gave himself a goal of completing 50 marathons by his 50th birthday. Now... He set his sights on an even more ambitious goal, 100 marathons. 
Terry, thanks for joining us again on iRun Radio. Uh, thank you for having me. So we gotta we gotta talk about where this began for you. How did this obsession with running marathons start? It started, I would say, in the fall of 2006. Um, I really just fell into running. I had no, I don't even think I knew how long a marathon was, uh, but uh, I just started running with some people at work, and uh, and then they sort of planted the seed of, well, maybe you could, you know, you could start training for a specific run, do a race. So it never occurred to me that you could run and, and do races. I always assumed it was for professionals, elites, things like that. So then uh, that's how I got into it. And then, uh, so I trained for my first half marathon. And then in 2007, ran my very first uh, marathon in Ottawa, at Ottawa Race Weekend. So that became, uh, that, that was quite the, uh, the experience. And then I thought maybe that would be uh, not the end of, of running or marathon running necessarily, but I thought for that year I'd done my marathon, as, as most people who run would do. But then a friend of mine wanted to, uh, she had just missed her Boston qualifying time. And since we were all trained up for, uh, for Ottawa, um, she said, well, let's, uh, let's continue this during the summer and try to run in Toronto. And so we, uh, so we ran in Toronto. So I ran two marathons that very, that same year. And then, so then I guess that just kind of, kind of got me going. And, uh, so then I wanted to try to qualify for Boston, but that was very difficult. And then they, 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 uh, raised the bar again. The time yep. got more difficult. And so that's why I decided to, well, okay, so I'll just keep running. And, uh, and decided at one point, I'm not quite sure, I think it must have been three, four years into running, I decided, okay, I'll set myself a goal, given that I can't get into Boston, or at least, you know, my efforts, I, I wasn't able to get to it, so I thought, I'll just find another goal, and that's when I decided I'll do 50 marathons by the time I'm 50. Okay, we so talked I, about that it, in the past. You, you were, We did. Yeah, we did, you joined yeah. us to chat about that, and so now you have a new goal of getting to 100 marathons by the end of next year, right? Yeah. So the the I reached the 50 marathons when I was just before my 46th birthday. So then for a, for about a month there, I didn't know what to do with myself. You know, <laughs> I, I still run, of course, but so then I thought, okay, I'll make it even more difficult on myself. So for I, I added another 50 marathons, so to make it a total of 100 for my 50th birthday next year. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to end up not just getting to 50 marathons by your 50th birthday, but getting to 100 marathons before your 50th birthday. That's right. Wow. Okay. Good for you. That's incredible. And so, obviously, in the last four years or three years, you've you've had to run something like twelve or thirteen marathons a year, right? That's correct. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been ramping them up quite a bit in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah, because you you've uh, you know your first one you said was in what two thousand seven. Yeah. So this has all happened very quickly. Uh, tell me about has, some of the yeah. races you've run in the past couple of years. Um, well, every year, um, my wife and I, we go to, uh, we try to find some destination in Europe. So there's been some interesting races, uh, in Europe, uh, Rome, for example, Paris. This year, uh, we ran in Croatia. Uh, my wife doesn't run marathons, but she does, uh, the half marathon. And so we usually try to find races where there's both. So it's great. So she gets to run as well. And uh, so we did one in in the north of Croatia uh, this year. It was quite nice as uh, along the Adriatic. Uh, like I said, Rome, Paris, uh, did some in Spain. Uh, Rotterdam was another nice one. Uh, so those are fun. 
I'd say the most scenic one for me, I think, still remains Big Sur. Uh, very difficult course because of the hills, but the, the scenery is just amazing because you're running on Highway 1 and the, the ocean is on your left side the whole time, and it's just yeah. incredibly beautiful. That's yeah. Big Sur in California. That's a, 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 definitely on a lot of people's bucket lists. Oh, it is. It is, and it, it, as it should be. <laughs> yeah. What else? Um, New York is another big one that uh, I was fortunate enough to do twice, and I really enjoyed that one. Very well organized for something that's so big. You know, there's over 50,000 runners. And um, uh, I've done races where there's nobody on the course, no spectators or anything, but I do appreciate uh, the crowd support uh, in, uh, in New York. It's, uh, it's, it's quite special. And you're running with, uh, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of runners. So it's yeah. quite the experience. From all over the world, Another too. One, yes, from yeah. all over the world. So that's that's the fun part, yeah. Because, you, you know, as you're running, you see people wearing shirts from their, from their countries. And, uh, yeah, it's great. Another one you were going to say that you like? Uh, Chicago, Chicago is another yeah. one. That I, I, it remains, I, did, I ran my best time there in uh, Chicago. And so I think that's one of the... One of the reasons why I like that one so much, but I did like the course as well and uh, the organization, and uh, yeah, that was quite a nice one. And I know you've done that one as well. Yeah, it is very yeah. nice. So, uh, and yeah. you must have done a lot of smaller races along the way too? Yes. I'd say the smallest one I've ever done uh, was a few years ago in Gaspé, in the Gaspé Peninsula, and it was uh, six runners for the marathon. Six? <laughs> so it felt... It felt like a Sunday run, just a, an extra yeah, long sure. Sunday run, and uh, but it was nice. It was uh, along the uh, the St. Lawrence, and part of it was on um, uh, local roads, but uh, long sections were on uh, running paths and bike paths, so it was really uh, quite nice. And if you're going to do 12 or 13, or this year you're going to do 16 or 17 marathons in one year, I guess you have to start out by looking at the calendar and figuring out where you're going to be and when, and you've got to probably pick off a bunch that are close to home, right? That's got to be part of it. That's exactly, because it, it, it is expensive. And uh, so I try to choose, uh, you know, try to get registrations in. The ones that I know close to home, uh, when registration opens and if it's if there's a deal to be had, you know, if you register early, uh, things like that, then that's when I register. So I know that, uh, you know, to try to save uh, a bit of money that way. And uh, yes, for sure. So I, uh, there's the, I call them the, the trilogy there, but I usually do Longueuil, Ottawa, and Laval. They're, you know, three weekends uh, together. There's one after the other. Okay. And uh, so I try, I try to get those. Uh, re- I'm already registered for next year for those three. <laughs> okay. And uh, <laughs> planning ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So try to save, and because you know, it, it does add up, especially when you're traveling. You're adding uh, hotel rooms, things like that. So uh, it, it's 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 not a it's not cheap. <laughs> Have you figured out yet what marathon number one hundred is going to be? Which one you'd like it to be? I have no idea. Okay. And I, part of me is kind of happy about that, but you know, I, I'm I'm really I don't know at this point. And uh, so, I, like I said, I've registered for about four races for next year. Um, but I need to try to make it work. So uh, until I know for sure how many I'll run this year, there's one that I'm keeping. Uh, there's a possibility, you know, like you said, 16 or 17. So if I'm doing 16, then I'll try to make it work. But I'd like it to be special. Um, I would have ideally would have enjoyed it being here in Ottawa, 
because I know a lot of people have told me oh, it'll be great to, to either come and cheer you on or run with you certain sections. Or, uh, but because Ottawa is so early in the season, uh, I don't think why well, I, I just can't make it work. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I, at this point, I don't know. Okay. But I, you know, it could be Europe, it could be Canada, uh, but uh, I don't know at this point. So, Terry, why? Why so many marathons? Why does it mean something to you to run this many? I think it's just the, the pure enjoyment. Um, I, ju- I just enjoy doing it. Um, some, some days you might talk to me and I'd say, you know what, I don't know what I was thinking when I registered for this race and I'm standing at the start line and it's pouring rain. But, uh, but then by the end of it, I'm just ecstatic and happy and uh, I'm ready for the next one. So I think it's the, the the main thing is of course you have to you have to enjoy it. So I, I I do, even though I know you know there's pain involved, but it's 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 not an easy thing to do as you know, and um, it does require a lot of um, you know sacrifice, a lot of training, uh, but it's also afforded me a lot of um, good things. You know I've met some great people. I've uh, some friends that I've met from from that very first year of running that we're, we're still friends today and. You know, we get together, and uh, so it, it's it's giving me so much more, and and the quality adding more. Well, it's basically just doing more of what I love, and uh, you know, knock on wood, so far so good. I mean, injuries uh, uh, none, and uh, so I'll just keep going until you know. I like to I see people. You know, you read about the the ones that are in their seventies, eighties, and 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 beyond, just. Uh, just breaking records and just enjoying and continuing running, enjoying that. So I, 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 I'd love to see myself continue and, and be able to do that at, at that age. Very cool. And and what is it you love about running? Why do you like it so much? I think it's, um, you know, just for the mental aspect, uh, it's it's relaxing to me. It's uh, you know obviously in a race is less so because you're you're focused on your goal and. You're focused on on trying to get there as fast as possible. It is a race after all. But but when I'm training and uh, in certain races, I allow myself to go. Okay, so this is you know there's you've got three in a row. So this is the first of three. So I, I consider all three as one big one, and uh, try to slow down a little bit. But uh, but um, no, I, I think I just it's just something I really enjoy. I never thought that I would uh, when I was in. In school, when I, growing up, it was sports was never something that uh, that interested me. But uh, I, I like running because it's it's just you're competing against yourself, and uh, you know. So it, and it's a great way to travel and uh, and then see the world and uh, to run certain courses where they close off. You know, I, I was pinching myself in Paris when they standing at the start line and near on Champs Elysees and just. You know, they they closed all that for for us to right. be able to run. So yeah. it's, a, it's great. It's like they're rolling out the red carpet, and you know, of course, you got to pay to get in, but it's uh, you know, it's a small price to pay for such a great experience. Right on. Well, congratulations, Terry. Best of luck as you continue your your quest to 100 marathons. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you very much. That's Terry Sancartier, who this weekend is running marathon number 91 in Hamilton. Coming up in the weeks ahead on iRun Radio, another runner who's off to the Olympics next year, plus one of the athletes who has made it into the Sports Stats Hall of Fame. I hope you can join us next week on iRun Radio. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.